0: for the show that simplifies and demystifies how to live an energetic life with a flat belly. So if you're into a healthy gut and staying young, then this is the show for you. What's up, Health Heroes? Tim James here with another exciting episode. Today, I've got Dr. Richard Fleming in the house and really excited to be here with him. He's We're going to cover a couple things. First off, he has a really cool story. Um, I like anybody that has the FDA after them because you must be hovering over something not not everybody, but most of the people that are good, folk, decent folks out there hustling, doing a good thing, good things for people. And when the FDA is after you, it usually means you're you're over the target on something. It kind of reminds me of Dr. C b and where he took on the FDA single handedly and won. So, um, Richard, thanks for being here today, brother. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, so let's get into your backstory, and then um, and then in the later segments we can bring up. Um, your testing methods, and we'll get into COVID, um, because you've got some deep knowledge there. So um, guys, he's a physicist, and a nuclear cardiologist, and a lawyer, but we won't hold that part against you. (laughs) So why don't you explain to people like, just layman's terms, because there's some people like, what is a physicist? What's a nuclear cardiologist? And what have you been up to?
1: Right. So a physicist, which is what I uh, got my original degree in, is uh, somebody who tries to understand uh, the laws of the universe, what what uh, causes interactions uh, both at the level that you can see visually and at the atomic subatomic level where things are much more interesting, although uh, more challenging, I think, for people to understand. Uh, some of it we can actually measure it. Some of it is theoretical. Um, my original work that that i got my doctorate uh, degree in had to do with uh energy uh information uh, which is about as far as i want to go in that discussion for you but it, you know energy can be useful for good things or bad things and so um uh, you know that that research was done many many decades ago uh when i originally uh, got the uh the phd in physics um and it was in physics, not in particle physics, because at that time we didn't have PhDs in particle physics. It was physics, but my area of interest was particles, and I worked with plasma technology and and positrons. So, uh, different ends of the spectrum to make energy out of, and a nuclear cardiac. Cardiologist is, as I tell people, a cardiologist dumb enough to take even more training. So after I went to medical school, then I did my internship and residency in internal medicine, which was three additional years. And then I did three more years in cardiology and included uh, a, a year of positron uh, tomography imaging, which kind of took me back to my original physics degree. So that wasn't challenging for me to do um, and really kind of looked at that and that that uh, that era of my life had to do a lot with doing testing for understanding what causes actual health problems. You know, which parts of the theories and ideas that we have are correct, which ones are wrong. You know, when I entered medical school, the second thing the dean told us was that ninety percent of what we'd be taught would be wrong. Uh, they didn't know what it was, but they they had pretty much well figured that much out, and they encouraged those of us who are research oriented to go do that. So, I spent much of my um, time since then looking at health issues and what causes disease like heart disease and uh, how we actually find. Hold on one
0: second. I wanted to say something. So the dean told you that 90% of what you're going to learn will be wrong. Correct. Correct. And that's medical medical school.
1: That was medical school, right? Medical university. Um, Well, you know, that was a recognition that Uh, you know, where where we come from scientifically, which is what do we really have that's knowledge-based, research-wise? Now, you have to understand where I went to medical school at, it was the University of Iowa, and that's a different type of, of medical university than most universities are. It is the largest teaching hospital in the U.S., it is also the only one that does not allow private practice doctors in its doors as as uh, treating patients. Everybody's an academician, an MD or an MD-PhD, all university-based, all required to do research. So our perspective, the way I was trained, is much different because when people present information to me, I'm very critical of whether they're presenting me something based upon what's been told to them or do they have scientific research to back that up. And we knew uh, even at that point in time that a lot of things had been loosely put together just from hearsay and observations, which is, you know, it's better than nothing. But unfortunately, when people think that they've seen something and they haven't measured it and tested it, there can be errors in that. And, and a good classic example was in 19, I want to say 17. I joined American Heart as the youngest faculty member and what that did is it put me on three committees. One was basic cardiac life support, so teaching people how to breathe and do chest compressions for people. Another one was advanced cardiac life support, which is, which drugs do you use when do you put tubes in people's lungs or intubate them? How do you treat rhythm problems? How do you bring people back from the dead? Um, and then to teach that to physicians and people in the medical field. And then the third one was a new field called the Physician Cholesterol Education Faculty, which was the theory of what caused heart disease and cholesterol was the primary uh, discussion point at that time. So I spent decades training and teaching that to uh, physicians and other health providers and even the lay public in some instances. and. Um, as a result of a reflection on that, uh, in 1994, uh, following uh, research and work, you know, pursuant to what the dean had said, those of you that are interested in doing research try to understand this, I came out with a new theory and presented it at American Heart uh, that, that explained that there were at least 12 factors of which infectious diseases like bacteria and viruses are one of those that produce inflammation and blood clotting or an inflammothrombotic response throughout the body. <clears throat> and when you have that, you end up with diseases like heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, what most people call strokes, cancers, all these health problems, all these inflammothrombotic diseases that that people have come to see as a real threat with SARS-CoV-2, this this virus that everybody associates with COVID-19, but they're two uniquely distinct things. So that theory was first presented in 94, and then again at 95, and then in 1999, it was put into a textbook with flow diagram for people to understand, and then, I did bacterial uh, research to determine what was causing heart disease and other types of vas- blood vessel disease or vascular disease and how to treat them and how to measure the treatment response. And then it was discussed on uh, in 2004 on 2020. And
0: um, TV show 2020.
1: Right, correct, yeah. right, the news program uh, with uh, Barbara Waters and Timothy Johnson and, the, and those folks. Um,
0: so, so it sounds can... like you weren't messing around. You're like you're literally getting to the nuclear physics of what causes heart disease and how to fix it.
1: Right, right. And then in the process of trying to sort that out, I, I, I questioned several of the testing methods that we do, like coronary angiography, where we inject the arteries of the of the heart to look for narrowings, and uh, published one of the five landmark papers that have been published explaining the problems with that testing. Uh, explain that it's not a narrowing of an artery, but actually the inability of the artery to relax and get bigger and carry more blood flow that produces chest pain, presented that at the American College of Cardiology Conferences
0: back in the early 2000s. Um, Does that have to do with the, the body's ability? Is it, you know, standard American diet and stress loses its ability to, um, uh, or loses the elasticity of the endothelial cells to produce nitric oxide?
1: well certainly nitrous oxide and and other uh oxidative factors play a role but it's that's part of it it's it's only one factor or component um the things like Cholesterol triglycerides homocysteine fibrinogen light protein a cytokines and interleukins are the chemicals that we talk about that are released from cells in response to something going on in the body, including infection or infection itself or mechanical trauma just a variety of different factors play a role. All of that. uh, uh, Produces either a swelling within the blood vessel itself, which is the inflammation or blood clotting the thrombosis in an effort to respond to that damage or to try to prevent further damage from happening. And really what happens for the arteries of the heart, they're, they're very unique in that they are the only arteries that can relax to increase their blood flow by a factor of five to six times above resting blood flow. And that's called flow reserve. And so I actually wrote the blood flow equation that's used for humans uh, back in uh, 1990 or 1991 um showing that the equations that were used that were talked about were incorrect because those were in dogs and dogs and animals obviously have different blood flow patterns Mm -hmm. um I also, as a cardiology fellow, happened to be in the right place at the right time or the wrong place at the right time where the new nuclear tracers came out. These are the ones that are used today. But when I was a fellow from 89 to 92, they were research drugs. And I wrote one of the first spec spec papers that's a type of nuclear camera on them. And um, uh, what we were told at the time and what I wrote in the papers was that you needed two doses of radioactive material to do two different sets of images and to compare those images um, over the course of time, I started. Uh, I actually have to 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 credit or blame the pharmaceutical companies with this because uh, they came to my office after I would left academia and said uh, they were looking for someone to also do imaging with these radioactive isotopes for breast cancer, and so. You know, as a cardiologist, even though I, I was licensed to do that because I had the training in these other areas to to certify for a nuclear license for that, which I had, um, I didn't You know, I didn't think it was my place as a heart doctor, as a cardiologist, to be doing breast cancer imaging. But, you know, I thought about it and I told them that if I could put the two tests together and justify it, I would do that. And so when I did that, <clears throat> um, what happened is to get the images of the breast, you had to image right away after the isotope was given, the radioactive material. You had an image at five minutes. And then typically what we had told people, including myself, because I was following the party line at that in those days, was you had to wait an hour or at least 45 minutes before you could find the heart to really analyze it. And so we got the five-minute images with the breast, which also, because of where the breasts are at, included heart images. And then we got the one-hour heart images, and then I would give a second injection of the radioactive isotope and wait four hours and do the other image and compare those. But because I'm who I am as a researcher, I didn't leave well enough alone, and I started looking at those five-minute images of the heart, and I discovered that the five-minute images that we weren't supposed to be getting showed heart disease that wasn't showing up when we waited for an hour. And the other thing I noticed is that because the five minute image and the 60 minute images that were being taken, were only following one injection of the isotope that even though the pharmaceutical companies said that when we gave those radioactive isotope drugs that they would go in and stick and not move around or redistribute, that that was not true. That they did move around, they did redistribute, just like the prior drugs that we use, like thallium, um, in the in the 1970s and 1980s. <clears throat> and so, what that told me was, you that that they had misrepresented how to use these radioactive drugs, and that you didn't need to give two injections of this stuff, and you didn't have to wait four hours to do it. You could do it at five minutes and one hour. And if I were the only one reporting that on the planet, you could say, well, Fleming, you're nuts. But unfortunately for big pharma, um, <clears throat> University of Berlin, John Hopkins University, UCLA, Cedars-Sinai, Emory in, in Atlanta, uh uh harvard and and other uh, universities have noticed these images at five minutes and then i presented this research at the society of nuclear medicine and molecular imaging conferences two years in a row and the first year i presented an hour-long lecture on it and the university of south korea uh, kim young university went back home did what i told them to do and came back and said Yeah, he's right, we're finding heart disease by doing these five minute images and comparing them to the movement, the redistribution at 60 minutes. You don't need two doses of this, but if you get two doses, what Big Pharma did is they made $20 billion in two decades and they exposed people to 3 million curies of extra radiation, which is a third of what shut down that Japanese reactor a decade or two ago. Yeah, Fukushima. Yeah. And you found the critical heart disease that was otherwise being missed. And you've all, most people have heard about somebody who's had these tests, they get told nothing was wrong and then they die, right? Well, they die because they're missing the heart disease. And so I refused to go along with that party line and I started using only a single injection of the isotope and getting two sets of images. And I got taken to federal court for billing fraud.
0: Billing fraud. So, for so basically it's like going in and, um, to a radiologist because you have, you you've cracked a rib right? and they take an x-ray and we, and they, you know, they go out of the room, they put lead around you because they know the radiation's not good for you, but we got to get that image. And they take the image. This would be like somebody with a broken bone. And then they're like, we got the image. That's great. Um, we're going to take one more for fun. And because we can bill you double and it, but we're not going to use it that's basically what ended up happening here right so it was it was a more of a it was a money thing because you were cutting profits in half right
1: well i was actually cutting down on the amount of radiation and, and, and isotope that was necessary and doing the two sets of images but they were real images that needed to be done to compare i just found out that instead of giving two injections and taking images at one hour and four hours, that if I gave a single injection and imaged at five minutes and one hour, I found the disease that was missing. So they didn't like that. And so um, I got taken to task for it. And then they—they, they, uh, I had a secretary that worked for me that she, she actually did the billing. So it's like she wouldn't even do the billing until I gave her all the paperwork from the patient so she could prove what was being billed was correct, right? Mm-hmm. So she's the one who actually did the billing and, and billed, I, I, I would argue correctly, uh, according to the federal government, the way that the images were done, I billed the only way that you could correctly bill. But then I walked into the office one day and she was standing at the desk, standing, not sitting, on the talking with someone on the telephone. She was white as a ghost. And I came and I said, "Well, Vicky, well, are you okay?" And she said, uh, "Yeah." I said, "Well, what's wrong?" She said, "Well, that was the FBI on the on the on the telephone, and they said that." And what I didn't know is that her ex-husband or her husband, I guess, had been in prison for committing a crime. And they told her, according to what she told me, you know, he said, she said, she said that they told her that either they she gave them something on me or they were going to go get her husband and put him back in jail. So what she later did was she said that a soy research chip study that I did that I made up data for. Now, they could never say how much or anything else. but. What happened is the public defender that I had defending me didn't really want to believe me. And so I got a statistician out of Iowa State University to look at the numbers. And and the public defender made fake data. He really wasn't fake, but he called it that. He took my numbers and then adjusted them. So he plagiarized my data. And he sent that to her. And what I didn't know at the time, I was thinking, well, they're gonna, you know, they're they're out to help, right? But the the uh, the the second person, second in command on this, turned around. He said, "I I I don't know what to say." And I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I he made a test. Mind you, this was five years after the research was done mm-hmm. <clears throat> to prove that I lied. He was convinced I'd made him up, made the data up." And he said, "But you didn't." I mean i made the test up to prove you lied and you didn't and well okay he said well here's the thing um the 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 fake data which really wasn't fake it was plagiarized from mine we can't figure out whether that's real or not the the public defender's data and i said well what's going on he said well it looks real but it doesn't look real he said if it was patterned after yours then that would explain it okay so uh the the public defender hears about that and he tells them the number one statistician make a new report take his name off it and don't tell anybody because he doesn't want to get in trouble because he could end up being a witness because he lied to her about it being fake when it was really patterned after mine so she does that right <clears throat> she shows up in court and the prosecutors find out that there was this first published report and the judge holds the sidebar and he says you know why why didn't she say uh that you know use the public defender's name and that there was a prior report and he <clears throat> sorry almost gave the public defender's name the public defender said well i i I, I I told her to generate a new report. I didn't, he didn't want to turn himself into a witness. And so the judge decided that the jury did not need to know the whole truth. This is actually an audio. You can hear it. And at another time he says the wool can be pulled over the jury's eyes. So the jury had no idea what was going on and they were trying to figure out, well, wait a minute. If she says Fleming's data is valid, why can't, what's going on with this other set of data? And there were witnesses who wanted to come in and prove that the public defender lied and he didn't call them. There was data from the American Medical Association that said Fleming not only didn't overbill, he actually underbilled, but he wouldn't call them. They wouldn't present the data. They wouldn't present billing experts that showed that I billed according to federal law. They wouldn't even present the federal law that showed I presented federal law. They wouldn't even present the federal cases that had already been ruled on in Nevada, the Prabhu case, P-R-A-B-H-U, for people who want to go check it out, where the federal judge said if a doctor bills the way the government says to bill, that's not billing fraud. <laughs> you can't do that. So that confusion was going on at the same time that my youngest son wanted to come live with me after a divorce and he was being abused and ending up in a hospital and so they kind of just laid it out that you know fleming either you play ball um or we're gonna put you in prison and your son won't be able to come and and live with you you know be protected and i'd already uh heard from an emergency room once where he had a head ct from bleeding So, what I did is I put down two items on a holographic plea, neither one of which are crimes. One is that I did the billing the way I did and image the way I did, which the documents on the website show you that is the way the federal government, the R5 manual, says to Bill. And the other one was there weren't 60 people in a package, which isn't a crime, wasn't even what they charged me with. There weren't, there were more, but but there were 60 full ones. And that's as close as I could come to that. And from that point of view, it allowed me to protect my youngest son. So great games. But the interesting thing is that the same people that did that to me are the same people behind the gain of function research for SARS-CoV-2. And so what they did to me in 2009, now more than a decade ago, they have now been doing successfully to everybody else for the last year and a half.
0: Oh, my God. Well, let's take a quick break and then we can unpack that because you just opened up a can of worms there. We'll be right back. Humans only use 10% of the brain and that can't change no matter how much we try. But you don't need to limit your body to the same standards. Bring your cells to 100% with green 85 juice formula. Replace 85% of nutrients your body needs to function to the next level. Our chemical-free juice formula is 100% organic, contains no stimulants, and is made right here in the USA. Visit chemicalfreebody.com and get Green 85 shipped right to your door. ChemicalFreeBody.com. What's up, health heroes? Tim James here. I'm back with Dr. Doctor Richard Fleming. And man, he's just dropped a bombshell. This is one of those things that, like your story was probably not picked up by mainstream media. And if it was, it was probably a slam on you. What I imagine the facts never right. came. Did they pick <clears throat> it up? yeah there was well
1: there was a lot of discussion particularly in the local area over in nebraska um and the fbi likes to post the little thing on the website to be as damning as possible so you know they they really felt i guess pretty good about it but um you know, the funny thing was uh, that I had a lot of colleagues who talked to me afterwards and said, wow, if they got something on you, which, I, again, they didn't. But they said, if they can do that to you, we're, we're all in trouble if they ever come near us. And my first thought was, what are you people doing in your offices?" <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so you've got the AMA saying, I'm under billing and I'm the bad guy. Um, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it really, you know, it's, it's uh, well, you know, again, these are the same people that funded gain of function research for this spike protein for SARS-CoV-2. And we've got the paper trail on them. Other people have been involved with it as well. But, you know, when you look at the paper trail, the and we're talking about the money trail for the grants that were provided from the Department of Defense uh, some of which is connected with the CIA, Health and Human Services, which includes NIH and NIAID and the FDA and the Department of Commerce and USAID, who's connected with the CIA, and the other departments. You can find easily over $61 million that came out of Washington DC from taxpayer monies that went to Peter Dayzak at EcoHealth who then paid Ralph Baric at the University of North Carolina and Shi Li of the Wuhan Institute of Virology to do gain of function research. If you track the publication trails from Zhang Li and from Baric and some others, you'll find multiple papers that have been published over the last two decades about gain of function research from these individuals. Some of it very clearly defining that they took one part of one virus, put it with another part of another virus, and then added changes into that to make it so it would infect people. You will find patents that Beric has for changing the genetics of animals, including humans, and viruses that were funded by NIH. You will find a very specific patent for changing chimeric, which is the term for gain of function. You take and put different pieces from different animals together to make a new animal. That's a chimer. It's called gain of function research, where Barrick has a patent specifically for gain of function research for the spike protein of coronaviruses, and NIH gets funds from that patent because it helped pay for the research that led to it. So for Anthony Fauci to sit in at a Congress meeting before Senator Dr. Rand Paul and say that NIAID does not fund research for gain of function on the spike protein of coronaviruses, well. You know, it's up to a jury and a judge. Presuming they actually get to hear the evidence, and it isn't hidden, and the wool is it pulled over their eyes, um, if they actually get to hear the real evidence, I think they will conclude that Fauci committed perjury.
0: So, what have you? Do you know the whole trail? Like with COVID, the research started in North Carolina, and then and taking it over to Wuhan, and why do you know that whole? Story. I'm 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 very much aware of, of where the where the
1: par, parts where do you think SARS-CoV-2? When do you think it was first
0: identified? Um, I'm I probably in the 90s or something like that. No, no, no. <laughs> when, when they made it,
1: 2006.
0: 2006. Okay.
1: I have documents that show that the Chinese put together. A combination of four viruses, hepatitis C virus, human immunodeficiency virus 1, SARS-CoV-1, which is what it was identified as, and SARS-CoV-2. And to prove that they had done that, they used PCR testing. But they used PCR testing in the same way that Mullis described in his patent which is the cycles stop at 20. That's what the patent says. That's what their work showed. That's not how it was used for- And let's explain that too,
0: because I've done it before for the listeners, but if you guys um, didn't know this, um, so think of the um, cycles as a magnification, right? So every time there's a cycle, they magnify, they get in closer, closer, closer. And what you're saying is the patent on the PCR test, if we want to call it that, um, says stop, after 20 cycles or 20 <laughs> magnifications. Right, so. Yet, yet they're using it like, I think they were doing like 38, 40 cycles. Yeah,
1: yeah, and, and it was the FDA that actually set up for how many times it was being used. So if you look at how PCR testing is done, you have what's called a forward primer, which is a set of nucleotide sequences that you're looking for. And at the other end, you have what's called a reverse primer. And so it reads in the opposite direction. So you've undoubtedly heard this confusing information about chromosome eight that some people talk about—that this is nothing more than than chromosome eight. Well, it's not chromosome eight. In fact, the reverse primer reads the exact opposite direction of chromosome eight. So when people are saying it's chromosome eight, they they don't understand the science because it reads the other direction so it's the mirror image of anything that you might even closely consider the same thing chromosome a so you get a forward primer says start here and a reverse primer says stop here and then you put a fluorescent tag in there and the reason for the fluorescent tag is that when you do the cycles the way that the machine registers is it sees fluorescence and if it sees fluorescence it says positive test right so you those are the three things that are in there. And then you basically command it to take a sample and look for this genetic sequence. Now, what what it's supposed to do is you take the sample and you multiply it. That's one cycle. So it goes from one to two. You do a second cycle, it goes from two to four. You do a third cycle, it goes from four to eight, okay? Eight to 16, 16, 32, 32, okay? And, and the way Mullis put it in the patent, if you go read the patent, and if you read what the Chinese did in 2006 with SARS-CoV-2, this combination, you stop it at 20 cycles, because that's all you need to get 100% of anything that's really, actually, credibly
0: there. Um, what you're saying, what you're, what you're saying, then is like if somebody has a cold or a flu or COVID after after 20 cycles, if they look and it's a it's a it's a negative test, they don't have it they don't have enough in there to actually cause the cold or the flu or the COVID. But if they go to 25, 35, 45 cycles, then it would show up and then they would say, Oh, they've got, they've tested positive for COVID, which. Well, they tested positive. So let's,
1: let's do a real definition here that I think is critical for people to understand. You're not testing for COVID. You're testing for SARS-CoV-2, the virus. Okay. COVID is what happens when you get, so ill from the virus that you form inflammation and blood clotting in your body and you develop the disease so cholesterol is a problem that can be abnormal coronary artery disease is the disease SARS-CoV-2 can pose the problem it's the infection COVID is the disease and they are two different things And, and unfortunately part of what's happened is this mismatch or compression of terms that confuses people Um, and that just shows sloppiness or intent. I mean, either they're intentionally trying to confuse it for people, or they're just too sloppy. And either one of those looks what good in my mind. Um, remember, you know, the intent of the judge and, and the public defender and the prosecutors was to hide from the evidence the jury. So if you think the legal system works, it you know, it's, it's pretty contaminated because they're just basically playing to win and they don't care about justice. In fact, when I went to law school, one of the first things they laughed at us about was Well, this has nothing to do with justice. This has to do with the law and winning, okay? Um, In medicine, you don't get to manipulate the rules. You have to deal with reality, deal with reality. And PCR deals with reality. When you start manipulating the rule so that you don't use the test correctly, well, then the test isn't, isn't being used like it was designed to be used. You know, it's like the nuclear imaging. Part of how I sorted the whole thing out was I discovered that the cameras that we use to look for that those nuclear images, they're not accurate. They look pretty. The images look pretty. But nobody ever asked, are they measuring what's coming out of the body accurately? And when I did that, I discovered that there's errors in these cameras that can be corrected and it's part of the patent but it was because nobody bothered to look for them. They just wanted prettier images. So it's a question about whether you're looking for the truth or what's pretty and appealing. Um, are you looking for whether the person really has evidence of, of, of SARS-CoV-2 or do you just wanna rack the numbers up? You know, Because if you, if you keep looking uh, long enough and hard enough, you know that genetic sequence is probably gonna be there. You know, you might have had a molecule. Well, whoopee. (laughs) I think congratulations. Um, You've got a virus that's spread in the air from person to person. Uh, It's not a pandemic. It's endemic. It's here. Right? Um, So, and and you can ask all the questions about whether you know they've they've down regulated now to have fewer cycles so that it looks like the vaccines are working but if you go to the emergency use authorization documents the documents filed by Pfizer and Moderna and Janssen or Johnson and Johnson if you will but the company's actually Janssen that makes their their biologic vaccine and you ask a question do these biologic drug vaccines actually reduce the number of covid cases or deaths what you will find because i've done this and we're going to include it in the presentation coming up on june 5th here in dallas what you find is that it doesn't statistically reduce the number of cases so vaccinated or not there's no statistical difference between outcomes so You know, that's something people need to be aware of. Because if I walked up to you and you, like, if you had crushing chest pain, I don't care who you are, and you're in the emergency room, and I gave you a medication, I said, take this so that you don't have a heart attack, you'd probably take it. But if I came up to you and I said, now, I want you to take this, it's not going to make any difference. It's no better than taking anything. Would you then take it?
0: Maybe or maybe not.
1: (laughs) But probably not. Okay, so I mean, that's kind of what we're doing with the vaccines. It's not, it it, it doesn't produce any difference. In fact, if you look at the numbers that they talk about, you know, 95, 94, and 67%, that's based upon a failure rate. But if you ask how many times it actually makes a difference, it's not statistically significant. And in fact, if you ask what percentage of benefit the actual rate, of difference in the entire population, taking everybody's numbers into consideration, what you would discover is that those efficacy ratings dropped to 0.8 to 1.3%. It's pretty low. Not nearly as impressive sounding.
0: Yeah, but it's on the news 24 7, you know, saying cases and deaths and right. fear, fear, fear. You know what I've learned is it's pretty much, except for maybe the weather guy and a couple local uh, happy stories that the news is just a massive propaganda machine. Everything coming out of their mouth is just untruths, not true, lies, you know, and they're all, people are like, oh, but I've actually seen news organizations, they think it's independent news reporting. These people aren't reporting anything anymore. There's not really any investigative journalists anymore going out and, and, and having contacts and bringing in news. The Associated Press, the AP wire psh, sends out, and then it, it gets decimated, uh, disseminated through all these channels. And I've seen local news channel people saying the same thing. And then they put somebody from like Oregon and somebody from North Carolina newscasters, and then they put them and they they're they're in lockstep. It's almost like they're it's a recording. These are okay. professional teleprompters. <clears throat> then all of a sudden, there's boom, somebody from Michigan and somebody from Texas news, just local news people. And they're exactly the same words. It's like an overlay. They're all saying it like like they're singing a song together. And then it goes to eight and the 12 and the 16, like you were saying the doubling. And then there's like hundreds of them on the screen and they're all saying the same thing.
1: Yeah, what we really kind of have is a new sexually, a new STD. It's called socially transmitted disease.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. So do you know... um, are you versed in like the the vaccines at all do you know much about them
1: right well that's part of what i discovered it just just was talking about with the emergency use authorizations on these vaccines but what did you have uh, well my question,
0: question is like i always tell people like before you know what i learned you know i started to stay out of politics years ago it was 2018 mm-hmm. i finally got into it because i started reading uh in 2011 i started reading labels on food products and drink mm-hmm. products and supplements and then I'd find stuff that I couldn't pronounce or whatever. And I started looking it up and multiple sources and then calling and actually calling the companies. Right. It's almost like calling DMV or something I get hung up on. And I'd then they call them back. Oh, I, we don't know about that. Well, what, what says natural flavors? Well, what the hell is, what's natural about? How much of it's natural? What what flavor is it? You know, and, and it just like, it took like four hours, like, and maybe you couldn't even get through to these people. But then I started learning about it. I'm like, Wow. I'm not putting that in my body. I thought the FDA was protecting me from that stuff and you know, covering all that stuff. They're not protecting anything. They're allowing this stuff, right? So yeah, my question it. is, is ingredients. Yeah. Ingredients yeah. matter. What, or why are you putting a shot into your arm and you don't even know what's in it? Ask the doctor, yeah. what's the ingredients? And if they get mad at you it's like what are you, you know, are you, uh, you know, not believing me or you uh, questioning my authority, you, then you definitely don't want to do it right? Okay. Cause I'm not going to eat brownies with cat poop in it. And I don't want a fricking shot in it that has skipped animal testing. It, it's, and it's been rushed and we don't eat, what's the ingredients? Is there mercury in there? Is there aluminum particles? Is there desiccated human lung tissue from aborted fetuses? What's in that? So, right.
1: <clears throat> right. So yeah, those, those, I mean, those are uh, the classic uh, questions that most people come up with for any drug vaccine that, that people have. Um, And we know with the prior vaccination uh, biologics that have been given to individuals that there's many of those concerns with with, uh, metallic uh, components or development using uh, aborted fetal cell line cultures, that type of thing. Um, Most of what's really going on with these biologics are different Um, There's about two to three decades worth of research on both lipid nanoparticles, which is the the method being used by Pfizer and Moderna, and the adenovirus uh, approach, which is used with the double-stranded DNA approach by Janssen or Johnson & Johnson or AstraZeneca also, uh, where the vast majority of what's in there appears to be the genetic sequence. And I think that's important because once you understand that the genetic sequence of the spike protein is man-made, that should raise a different level of concern than even all the things that you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Because what we know is that there is inserted in this spike protein in in the genome, in the of that part, so genome is technically the entire virus. So this component or fragment of the entire virus um, includes a G- HIV glycoprotein 120 insert and a prra insert which is a proline arginine arginine alanine insert so that's four amino acids which it takes three nucleotides for each one of those so that's 12 nucleotides that were inserted there and those are inserted they have uh, because they don't exist in any other coronavirus uh, on the planet uh, I've got the genotype information. When you ask, do I know what's in these vaccines? I know exactly what's in these vaccines genetically because I've got the data on my desktop about what the genome is uh, or the genetic sequences are and, and the fact that they are exactly what was laid out and made by gain of function research. So if you recognize that that's the reality. And then once this protein is made, it it looks exactly like a spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. You realize that the insertion of the glycoprotein 120 and the insertion of the PRRA insert change the molecule or the structure of the molecule of this spike protein and one of the consequences is that at the very top of the spike protein there is where the where the spike protein attaches to the ace2 receptor that everybody talks about that that area has changed shape because of these other two insertions you know it's kind of like a box you step on it it changes the shape of the box so when you put these two in as or these actually several insertions in there it changes the shape of the molecule and at the very top is something called a prion like domain which means it it is a malfoded protein that when it comes into contact with other proteins it can cause those proteins to malform and why is that important well because the spike protein crosses the blood-brain barrier and when it does that, it produces um, changes in the brain that makes the brain look like a sponge. So medically, we call that spongiform encephalopathy. In the general lay terms, that's called mad cow disease.
0: Okay,
1: and now is this, mice- from,
0: this is from the um, SARS-CoV-2? Right, so the spike protein, whether it's okay. present
1: in the virus or present in the vaccines will have the same effect the difference is how much you're getting exposed to so if you get exposed person to person with the virus you're getting exposed to probably thousands of them if you're getting exposed from the from either the pfizer or moderna you're getting exposed to 13.1 billion if you're getting exposed from the janssen vaccine you're getting exposed to 50 billion, so a substantially greater number. And people that are healthy are responding to that. And that's why you're seeing all the adverse effects to that. So when this crosses the brain in the animal studies that were done, what's well, called humanized mice or mice that were adapted to have our ACE2 receptors so we could see what it would do, they develop spongiform encephalopathy or mad cow disease. And they did that at two weeks. 95% of them were dead in two weeks,
0: which is a year and a half for you and me. Hold on a second. So the Pfizer and the Moderna vaccine, you said a a very large number. 13.1 billion. 13.1 billion. And then the Johnson and Johnson vaccine? 50 billion. 50 billion. Okay. And then if you pick up COVID, just person to person in the thousands, thousands okay you know, so knows? so what you're saying what you've said here today is that the SARS cov 2 vaccine is a man-made virus it's a man-made bioweapon man-made bioweapon made of four different components it was uh hep C um, well,
1: no, that's, that's what the Chinese did. So the spike oh. protein is, is SARS-CoV-2. What the Chinese did was they put SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-1, hepatitis C, and HIV together. Okay. What the spike protein shows us is that we have, uh, insertions of p r r a and we have insertions of HIV glycoprotein 120 in it, and it's produced a prion-like domain at the top of it.
0: Okay. So, uh, we need to take a break, but I'm just going to skip the break and keep going because I know you're on a tight schedule, and I want to make sure this information gets out. So, um, basically, the SARS-CoV-2 is man-made. Yes. Correct. Okay, so it's yes. a man-made virus. Now. Yeah, the
1: spike protein, right? And if,
0: and if yeah, spike protein, and if you get it from interpersonal co- contact, you're going—it's going to come into you in the thousands. That spike protein has the ability to go through the blood brain barrier and basically turn your brain into a sponge. Correct. Okay. Now, if you don't have COVID, right? You don't have that SARS-2 uh, spike protein in you because you haven't picked it up yet, <clears throat> but you go you want to be a preemptive because you want to protect yourself, protect your family, protect your kids, so you take everybody in yourself and you get a Pfizer shot or, or a Moderna shot, you're going to inject yourself with 13.1 billion spike proteins and if it's a Johnson and Johnson vaccine 50 billion spike proteins that can go through the blood brain barrier and give you sponge brain basically
1: yeah you you what you're injected with is not the spike protein but the genetic material to make the spike protein
0: okay so yep. then it goes into it goes into your cells hijacks your your me- mechanical abilities and right. it starts producing using your own cells. right
1: exactly okay. exactly okay. and what we what we know is that the injection does not stay at the site of the injection which is kind of the argument that they made up front and the reason why we know that is moderna was kind enough to publish a paper back in 2017 using the lipid nanoparticle technique with influenza virus vaccines mm-hmm. and when the animals were sacrificed to see what happened, because they were still doing animal studies in those days. Um, What they discovered is that the lipid nanoparticles didn't stay at the site of injection. They went to the brain, the heart, the liver, the spleen, the bone marrow, all throughout the animal. So they don't stay where they're injected. And the lipid nanoparticles also travel across the blood-brain barrier very
0: very nicely. Mm -hmm. So would you get a vaccine? I haven't. Do you plan on getting one? Um,
1: I'm waiting for them to finish the research on all of you. <laughs>
0: yeah. So, okay. Um, most people listening to my show are probably not going to get a vaccine, but let's say somebody that did get a vaccine, maybe they haven't got their second one, yet, or they got both of them, whatever. And they're going, Oh shit. Like, what do I do now? So right. I want to talk about two things. Um, first off, let's just talk about that. What do you do right now? Let's say you've gotten a vaccine and now you're like, Oh shit, I don't, what, what do I do?
1: Right. Well, you know, I, uh, again, I'm the research scientist. I, I, I do not go around telling people what they should or should not do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I do to my children. Um, you get the vaccine, somebody jabs you and
0: you're sleeping. What would you do for yourself?
1: Um, Well, that I probably can't tell you on the air to them. Um, But um, so on the 5th of June, uh, I'm going to release in Dallas uh, in this three to four hour symposium a number of things, including the gain of function of this virus, treatments that have demonstrated 99.83% success in COVID patients. That is to say, the people that are actually hospitalized with the disease. Um, As well as recommendations based upon the currently published available best research science on what to do um, to reduce your risk of infection, to deal with being infected, to deal with having COVID, to deal with having been vaccinated and having symptoms. And at that end, and I'm going to release that at that point in time. It, okay. It's so are you going real- to
0: be talking about like natural things like getting outside and getting sunshine and vitamin A, vitamin D, you know? Right. Like, so um, uh, we don't have to spill the beans because that's fine. But I want people to go. Right, I want people right. to go. We're going to give you a link here. We'll get that. And then people can go on June 5th. Right. Watch this thing. Listen to it. And right. Share our, it with our, your friends and family.
1: Right, so we will we will do this in Dallas, um, and we're going. We will be recording it. We hope to live stream it. We're still working out the details um, uh, in between all the all the telephone calls and conversations and, <laughs> and everything else. Um, we're dealing with that uh, to try to to coordinate that. Um, there's a $10 charge for attending the, the conference, and that $10 charge goes towards paying for the people that are coming to run the projectors and everything. Oh, yeah. It doesn't come to me. Um, the What we put on the internet, there's not going to be any charge for. I mean, I get people going, yeah, well, we're willing to pay for it. And it's like, no, you're not going to pay
0: for it. Um, I'm you, really- should, you should set up a donation page for the people that want to donate, because there's a lot of people that want to do that kind of stuff they want to give money you know like right i was telling you earlier about the truth freedom and health movement that i'm a part of with dr shiva Ayadure, and you know that movement is is um is got big teeth now it's taking off and people are like donating right on the spot when he was talking last night i mean the guy's on fire he's winning um in court right now in federal court um against the secretary of state and for election fraud. Like people are like have given up. Well, hey, don't give up on election fraud. Dr. Shiva still has a case. He's got two cases actually and he's winning. And what you're doing is the same thing. You're actually putting out truth. Because without truth we can't have freedom and we can't have health. Right. How can you have health when you have somebody who's or people and organizations who have who've created this this little micro monster, the spike protein, Mm -hmm. that damages your brain and creates, you know, a cytokine storm in your lungs and then fluid and all this stuff and then and then they, they have the solution for you and the solution basically gives you more of the same.
1: Yeah, so we are, in addition to that, we're also, um, I've also written up a complaint to be filed in federal court um, to shut down gain of function research, to uh, stop the interference with physicians practicing medicine with their patients, to uh, stop the, uh, use of vaccines without undergoing appropriate animal model testing to determine what the consequences are and to hold these people accountable for having done all this because by definition, uh, this is a biological weapon. And that's a violation of the Biological Weapons Convention Treaty. It's a violation of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights Treaty. It is a violation of the Nuremberg 1947 Nuremberg Code It is a violation of the Helsinki uh, ethical treatment of patients. And physicians injecting patients without informed consent are are violating the medical ethics of the American Medical Association. For those reasons, um, I firmly believe, and that's what the suits are about, that that we're putting forward, that uh, the individuals that were involved in this, the federal agencies and the people at the head of them Uh, and people like bill gates who's assisted with funding of this type of thing should be held criminally accountable in international court at a second nuremberg trial
0: i i totally agree with you man so if you're talking about this um, spike protein being a bioweapon what would you consider the so-called solution these vaccines what would you consider those (laughs)
1: Well, I I think you have to ask yourself, what are you injecting into your arms? And if what you're injecting in your arms or the genetic sequence that somebody has put together as a bioweapon, you're literally injecting yourself with a bioweapon.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, t- and you're paying to do it.
1: Well, we've paid to do it. I, I think they're providing them free and they're and, and if something is so really outstanding- Nothing's free, they,
0: man. There ain't nothing yeah. free. We paid for that in our tax dollars. So our tax right. is going to put a bioweapon inside of us and you know it's crazy like our governor who's bonkers Kate Brown she um she's literally like has like i i heard some like she's giving away like free lottery tickets now when you get a test some countries i think it was uh not countries but i think washington state maybe don't get me right on this but some state is offering like free booze like giving away, that's actually breaking a law, I think, or something like that, like just giving away, they're giving away, they're just like giving away, do this, and it's like free this, free right. that, we gotta come and get it, they're trying to, it's on the news 24-7, I can't stand listening to these newscasters sitting there spitting these lies out anymore. I i, I think
1: it's interesting that if what you have is so necessary, so important, and so good, that you have to bribe people to take it. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, Tell me if i'm wrong can you think of anything else where the government has or and and agencies have given away baseball tickets uh marijuana uh put put your name in a lottery um i mean i'm not even sure what all the different things are but when when they're when you have to give prizes for people to do something, you have to question whether it's really the right thing. And and if everybody who is concerned about it, and I'm not an anti-vaxxer, okay, I'm an allopath, I'm an MD, I believe that vaccines have a benefit and a place and I also believe that they should be appropriately tested because I have 53 years worth of research experience and I will tell you that there's a correct way and a wrong way to do research and to find out what really, really works. Now. The reality is that research has not been done for these biological drug vaccines, which means that we're not following the scientific method. We're not following our, our ethical responsibilities as researchers. We're not following our ethical responsibilities as physicians. Um, I'm yet to figure out how the federal government got involved in healthcare when, according to the US Constitution, Congress and the executive branch and, and the the legal branch, articles one, two, and three of the US Constitution, provide no such authority for federal agencies. Um, so I think this is a violation of constitutional law in addition to everything else. But critically, the money trail shows that we paid for and that these federal agencies provided grants for, and subsequently papers published proving it was done and patents granted showing that it was done a
0: bioweapon crazy crazy and then you know what Dr Shiva's exposing too is that like Pfizer's profits are down 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 they're losing their r&d's up they they're losing they can't produce more molecules that are effective at all and they're going out of business so vaccines are a quick way to get profit and what a better way than to force people and use our own tax dollars to give them free lottery tickets and booze to jab themselves with a shot. Well, Dr. Fleming, it's been an honor and a pleasure having you on. I'm really excited about your June 5th um, symposium. How how do people plug into you and into that, um, what you're gonna release on June 5th?
1: Um, the easiest way to do it, I think, is to go to FlemingMethod.com and then go to the tab that says Event 2021. Okay. And there's i right, I'll, I'll
0: put that in the show description.
1: Perfect. And and that's important for a couple of reasons because I think that this is event the event of 2021. And it's also very reflective of another event called 201, where the discussion of how how you play through um these these scenarios. So Reflecting back, just to give one last piece of information about myself, uh, my doctorate, I got immediately like a couple days after I graduated from high school, because technically you have to do that first, even though um, my PhD training in physics simultaneously ran those same years from 7th through 12th. So we got the high school certificate and those of us who got our doctorates got them a couple of days later. One of the scenarios that we repeatedly ran through was um, no-win scenario games, which is, these are the people you have. You got their names, their ages, their sex, their, their educational status, what they brought to the table intellectually and physically, and health problems they had, they had. And then you got a list of supplies, very detailed supplies. And the goal was always the same. You had to go from point A to point B if you're going to survive. And not everybody was going to get to go. <clears throat> and you didn't get to use all those supplies. So the scenarios that they trained us for were, what do you take, supply-wise, and explain how that helps you get from point A to point B? And who do you take with you, and who do you let die? You know, And in some cases, we looked at husbands and wives, and we went, well, one of you are useful, and one of you are not. Mm-hmm. And part of our successful completion, we started with thirty and made it through with thirteen um, in our in our group, and I know there were other groups in the u s um was not only the ability to perform at a doctorate level and 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 to develop a thesis and carry it through and do all that, but you had to be able to make these decisions without hesitation on who lived and who died that's what event 201 was who lives who dies event 2021 is getting the news out getting the truth out exposing the people and making a difference
0: yeah awesome stuff man thanks for being here and thanks for sharing so guys make sure to go to the fleming com. f l e m i n g method.com And then click on Event 2021, register, tell your friends and family about it, and um, and just get the word out because we all have to be our own reporters now. Uh, mainstream media is not going to report on anything pretty much that's going to help you. In fact, if you just want to, if you want to learn stuff, watch mainstream media, and whatever they say to do, do the exact opposite, and that's probably pretty good. Now I know there's no scientific method there, Doc, but what do you think about that plan?
1: I'm, I'm going to stick with my approach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to follow the follow the evidence. I get people who have tracked me for decades and they'll say, well, why are you, you know, that's not what you said five or 10 years ago. And I'll say, well, I'm just following the data. If you want to know what I'm going to say in five or 10 more years, come back and listen to me because I, I won't be able to tell you what I'm telling, I have no idea what it's going to be because I don't have Things the Things change. Yeah. yeah data you, data yeah. collects. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome.
0: All right, well, thank you for being here, and uh, thank you for our listeners around the world. We love you guys. Um, please share this episode, um, get it out there. Um, it's really important. Like people, you you have to have truth. That's number one. Without truth, you're not going to have good health, and your and your freedoms are going to be taken away. And, and it's 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 what's happened. I mean, we are not. I mean, people are, think that America is free. We're not. We're not a free country anymore our first amendment and our, and our, has been taken away and, and, and it's, it's been done by the government and that's going to all come out in Dr. Shiva's case. And I'm really excited about, um, what you're doing to, um, Dr. Fleming. So again, thank you to our listeners. Please share like, and subscribe, and we will see you again next time. Remember, change yourself, change your world. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening again to the health hero show. I'm your host, Tim James. And remember, change yourself, change your world. We'll see you again on the next episode. Talk to you soon.
1: You have just listened to the Health Hero Show with Tim James.